Hey, y'all ready for the word? All right, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up. It is always going to be good news when you come here. It's it, like Pastor Dwayne was saying, it, it, you, some people like to preach news that's not so good, right? Whenever you feel something pointing at you, whenever you feel a finger pointing at you, you, you kind of duck your head in shame and guilt. I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not for you. Guilt, shame, condemnation, not for you. Jesus took it all. Don't take it back from him. He took it. Let him have it. Amen? He didn't die in vain, did he, church? No. We're going to see that this morning. So the question is, uh, are you still the righteousness of God even when you fail? How many times do you guys, do you guys sin? Anybody sin in here? Anybody fail? Yeah, yeah. So when we fail, the question always is, are you still righteous in front of God? Are you still the righteousness of God, even when you sin? And I'm going to tell you through Scripture this morning, I'm going to let the Lord tell you, yes, you are. You are righteous. You are righteous forever in Christ. And uh, then we're going to let the Scripture tell you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always true, always on time. God, it goes out with great power. God, let it transform lives here this morning. God, use me as a vessel to be able to speak your love to people. We look forward to all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Church said? Amen. Amen. All right, now we've heard this before, Galatians chapter 4, but I want to show you something. How many of you guys know you can go back and read something and be like, whoa, I didn't see that, right? And, and so that kind of happens to me all the time. Um, I love it. I, don't be afraid to ask the Lord to show you something new because he will. He will. He always does. He always does. All right, all right so this is uh, Paul. And he's talking about uh, Hagar, and he's talking about Sarah, right? The wives of Abraham. When we've done this, you know this, but I, I want to show you something cool. So Paul says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law. The fact that Paul is saying, tell me, you who desire to be under the law. You can stop right there. He was challenging people that wanted to be under law. No one today, I shouldn't say, uh, a lot of people want to be under the law today, and hardly anybody stands up and challenges them on that right because if you're in the law then you're okay but the moment you understand what grace is that's when people start to come against you that's what happened to paul and he's saying hey tell me you who desire to be under the law is there any doubt who he's talking to you who desire to be under the law tell me do you not hear the law for it is written that abraham had two sons the one by a bond woman and the other by a free woman right but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. I mean, self-effort, right? Ishmael was born according to their self-effort. They didn't have patience to wait. Listen, Isaac was the promised one. But they were like, look, you're getting old. We're going to have to do something now or it ain't going to happen, right? Because they were looking at themselves, right? They were old, man, 100 years old, right? So, so uh, they tried to make something happen on their own. So they came up with this plan. Go read it. <laughs> you sit back and you go, oh, my gosh, did that really happen? Yeah, it did happen, right? All right. Uh, born according to the flesh. And he of the free woman through the promise. God promised them they would have a child. All right. Uh, which things are symbolic? Say symbolic. 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 Why? For these are the two covenants. The two kids, the two boys are two covenants, Right? Uh, the one from Mount Sinai. Church, you tell me what covenant was given on Mount Sinai. The law, the Ten Commandments was given on Mount Sinai. So Hagar represents the Ten Commandments, the law. You, you see it? It's, it's right there, right? Not making this stuff up. Right there. Uh, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. Right? So the question is, 
I saw birth to bondage, right? Anybody feel like you're in bondage? What gives birth to bondage according to that verse? The law does. So anytime you go to a church and I used to be this guy and you, and you hear me preaching the law, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to stop doing this. You got to, you got to do more of this, right? I'm, I'm giving you all the law, 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 law. I'm actually putting you in bondage because you feel like you're not good enough or you're not doing enough. And that's what the law was designed to do. The law was designed to show you that you need a savior from your sin. And so Hagar is the law here in this story, right? For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now and is in bondage with her children because Israel still has not, the majority of Israel has not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen? So they're still under law. If you drop down to the last verse. Ooh, did I skip a verse? Well, anyway, I want to show you, you can't mix them, right? You can't mix grace and the law. You can't. You just can't do it. You can't mix uh, the old covenant with the new covenant. And that's why God says in Revelation, I believe that that uh, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. You're like you're, you're trying to hold both. You're trying to. Have you ever been to a church where they preach a little bit of grace? And they're thankful for the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. But then the whole thing is on the law, making you feel like you're in bondage. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't mix them. God doesn't want to mix, man. He doesn't. He never has. All right. But uh, look at this verse. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Just drop down in Galatians 4. Same chapter. He's still talking about Hagar, who represents the law. And Sarah represents grace. Right. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Amen. So the issue is that being an heir. An heir. You can't, you can't understand that you're an heir if you're a son of the bondwoman. There's a lot of preachers out there today that are preaching the law. Amen. They're preaching the law. They're preaching the law. Man, are they saved? I believe with my whole heart they are. I do. But I believe they're under law. I believe they're still trying to hang on to that covenant. I believe that, that listen, we're, they're going to heaven like we're going to heaven. The problem is we have the same father. We got two different mamas. We do. We got the mother of the law, Hagar. You got the mother of grace, Sarah. And, and, and so there's two different mothers, but we're all, we have the same father. Here's the difference. When you are the mother of the free woman, you are free indeed right here on this planet. Like, I'm free. I'm, do I look like I'm in bondage? No. no, brother's having fun up here. Listen, I can tell you this. I am free from religion. And I know who I am. And I know who saved me to get me to be who I am. And I'm going to tell you this. If you are the, the preachers that are preaching the law like I used to, not banging on them because I was that guy. I was that guy too. But those guys, they're saved. They will be in heaven. But they're not living life to the fullest here on this earth. Because they're always condemning themselves. And when they, can, they feel condemned by God, guess what they do to their church? Amen. They pass that on. Isn't that true? Amen. And you see a preacher up there struggling with something, and he's up there preaching. He's up there pre preaching a whole hour on, on, uh, on pornography or something like that. right? He's a whole hour, man. He's, he's going to kill the whole church to get to one person. Now, one person is usually... <laughs> Honestly, if, if somebody is struggling with something, 
they're going to try to put it out there and put it on, make everybody else feel the way they're feeling, right? So me up here, man, I'm trying to get you to be free like me. You don't have to be crazy like me, but you can be free like me. You don't have to come up here and do a split when you come up off this bad boy. Most of y'all can't do that. Look, my, I am renewed. I ain't doing it. Why y'all say don't? All right, so uh, people will tell you this about the law, right? They'll tell you this, that you need to, the reason why we have to keep the law, I've heard this, is because it tells us how to be holy. It's true. And I used to, I used to believe that. You got to keep the Ten Commandments. You got to memorize the Ten Commandments because that's God's standard, right? And, and, and I understand where they're coming from, but they're, they're in the Old Covenant, right? That ain't for me no more. I, I just don't receive that. Right. What does grace do? What does grace do? All right, check this out in Titus. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Doing what? It teaches us. What does it teach us? What does being under grace teach us? To deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Right. We should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might re that he might redeem us from every say every, every every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works you want to get people doing work in the church don't tell them how they're supposed to be doing work tell them about the grace of god that's what teaches them see teaching us that denying ungodliness listen think about that what is denying ungodliness it, it it's it's remembering to be holy. It's the opposite, right? So denying ungodliness is taught to us by grace. So people say this, this grace gives you a license to sin, and that's, that's the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. The exact opposite of it. In fact, grace teaches you to deny ungodliness and be more holy. And by the way, you can't be any more holy than you are when you accept Jesus. Like if you accept Jesus from that moment, you are holy as holy as you're going to get. Amen. That's what grace does. I love that teaching. Right. Uh, look at Genesis. Th there's a problem with the mixture. Right. I told you, you can't mix them. You got you got. Uh, well, anyway, I'll get to that point. Th this is where it comes from. So we just did Galatians four. Right. This is with the story that Paul's uh, getting it from right here. So the child grew and was weaned. Say weaned. Wean. Everybody understand what wean means? Thank you, Jesus. Thought I was going to have to explain. And Abraham made a great feast. Abraham threw a party when he was weaned, coming off from milk to whole food, right? Uh, great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham. What was he doing? Scoffing, bullying, making fun of, all right? That's what he was doing. So, why? Why doesn't it work? Why can't you have two? Because the 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 son of the bondwoman is always going to make fun of the son of grace, right? The son of Sarah. And and Paul even says that in Galatians. He says it, it's still happening today. And I'm here to tell you it's still happening today. It is. And people bully all the time. I'm like, you can't affect me got the righteousness of God up here this is my plate 
Right? Touch it. Right? Got the helmet of the hope of salvation. Because the helmet covers my ear. They can't get in there, man. I know who I am. I want you to know who you are. Man, listen, you don't argue with people like that. Don't argue with that. But that's why you can't mix it because they were he was scoffing at them. And that's where she says, cast out, get rid of them. Listen, God actually said, cast out Hagar. What is he saying in Galatians four? You tell me, what is he saying? Throw the law out. Throw Throw it out. The Bible says that Christ is the end of the law to those who believe for righteousness. That's me. That's me. Right. Hebrews 5.13 says for everyone. Oh, by the way. Righteousness. Some people say grace is a elementary teaching, you know, and then you got to move on to the deeper things of God. The Ten Commandments and understanding all the sacrifices and all that. <laughs> what does the word say? For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. What is righteousness? They're un, they're, they, they are unskilled in the word of righteousness. You know what that means? That, what is righteousness today, church? What is it for us today? It's a gift. Those who receive the gift of righteousness, right? That It's a gift to us today. If you don't understand that it's a gift, you don't understand it. You're a babe. Those people that are under law are babes, right? That's why you don't argue with them. You don't argue with a baby. Right. You don't you don't have to argue with them. Right. It's not up to us to defend God. God defend him. He's pretty good at doing what he does. Right. You just got to know who you are. You got to know what you believe to be true. Amen. Amen. So the mother of all sins, self-righteousness. Right. So you got you got the mother of grace. You got the mother of the law. And now I want to show you the mother of all sins is self-righteousness. In other words, trying to make yourself uh, qualify for all that God has for you. You can't do it. Right? So guess what got Satan kicked out? He thought he was all that. God said bye. Right? Got kicked out. You know, Satan was created to play music. Play music. Why do you think music is so powerful? Right? Why do you think Los Angeles is called the, the city of lost angels? Y'all like, look, this conspiracy theory thing going on right up here, man. I'm just saying. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, let me show you Genesis chapter two. We saw this last week. I was still studying. How many you guys know God can, man, that, that blew my mind when I saw what we talked about last week. So I want to show you something again here. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day you eat of that. You will surely die. So. Remember I told you, he, there were two trees there. It, God made it, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is good. What's wrong with the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What does it do? It gives you a sin conscience. God never wanted us to have a sin conscience. That's why he told them not to eat from the tree. Amen? So there was, they could eat from the tree of life all day and have life. And God never created us to have a sin conscience. We saw that last week. So Genesis 3, 7, uh, what happened? When they ate from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, three things. Three things happen when you when you partake from the law, when you sit under the law, right? Their eyes, the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked. That's what the law does. It makes you know 
You're naked. In other words, you've lost your covering. You're not beautiful in the eyes of God anymore. That's what the law does because it points to you. That's what the law does. Amen. Amen. That's what it was designed to do. So you feel naked. You feel like you lost your covering from God. And they did. They did. Right. And they they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Right. They were naked before. But they had the glory of God on them. They didn't notice their nakedness. All they did was walk with God in the Garden of Eden. In the cool of the day. Cool of the day. It was paradise. They didn't know they were naked until they ate from the law. Right? What's another thing it does? This is Adam. So, so Adam says, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. They were afraid. All of a sudden, now they're fearful. Why they feel? They didn't have to be fearful before, but now they are. Yeah, they knew they were naked, and now they're afraid, and they're hiding. God's like, where? <laughs> Peekaboo. <laughs> and they can hide from God. Some people think they can hide from God today. Look, uh, we were naked, and I hid myself. And, and if you go to a church where, where they're preaching the law, there's a lot of hiders in there. There are. I used to be a hider. I didn't want anybody knowing what I did, so I come in there. Hey, how you doing? I'm blessed, man. Right? They don't know what I'm doing at home. They don't know what I'm doing on my own, but I'm perfect. I'm, I'm better than you. <laughs> I don't sin as much. Your sin is b- b- deeper than my sin. Right? That, and when you start preaching the law, you start, you start uh, categorizing sin, one being more than the other. Yeah? It's telling the youth Wednesday night, man, people don't want you to drink. Can't drink alcohol. It's a sin. <laughs> okay? But they don't mind having a little feast on a Sunday night. Where everybody's committing what? Gluttony. Nobody points that out. People are like, I'm so full, I can't eat anymore, but I'm going to have that. <laughs> you know that's a sin, right? You, you want to test them? You want to test this theory out? Next time there's a church around here having a little get together at night with the fried chicken and all the stuff they bring, take a six pack. <laughs> Bob, don't. I, listen, that's a joke. That's a, that's a joke. It's being recorded. <laughs> Somebody, I got the keg. Where's the chicken? <laughs> that would be awesome. Anyway. <laughs> We're going to have to edit that part out. So, uh, so yeah, they, they hid. They, so th- they saw they were naked. They were fearful now, and they hid. That happens every time under law. Don't you agree? Amen. It's right there in Scripture. Uh, So check this out. What if we came to God with no sin conscience? What if we came to him with no sin conscience? That's how he wants us to come. That's how they were before they ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. They didn't have any sin conscience. And I want you to tell you, I'm going to show you in Scripture where we should not have a sin conscience anymore. Right? All right, so look at Genesis. This is, this is what happened. This is the verse that blew my mind last week. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. He never wanted us to be like that. They were created already. They were walking around. But the moment they ate of that tree, and Satan tempted them that way. Satan tempted them. The moment they ate of that tree, now God says, now they become like us in this way. Now they know good and evil. Right? Because uh, they were already created in God's image. 
But now God says in chapter 3, verse 22, now they really have become like us in this, that they know good and evil, right? Uh, and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. I love that part because God's prophesying, hey, they messed up, but I'm going to make a way. I'm going, he made a way. Don't know how, but he did it. How come y'all don't let me sing up here? <laughs> I'm more of a rapper. Ah, uh, so we have forgotten our true identity in Christ. See, that's what Satan's job is to come up here and try to try to tell you who you should be or who you're not being. And and man, that's what he did. So so in the garden, God had already created them in their image. And Satan says what he says, man. This is how this is why God's afraid of you from eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right. God doesn't want us to have a sin conscience. God never wanted us to eat from that tree, but Satan wants us to understand that. Why? Why? I'm going to tell you a little story, man. You ready for this? Why are you rolling your eyes, Grace? <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a lion, and this lion was king. And he's sitting there with his little cub lion, looking out over the vast valley. And he looks at his little son. He says, everything the light touches is yours. You know what Jesus did for us? You stay in the light. Everything is ours. And so he's like, man, the little cub guy, he was, he's a future king. He's like, everything's mine. And so he, you know, he does what young people do, young Christians do. Man, they're, they're like, man, I just can't wait to be king. No one's saying, do this. <laughs> no one's saying, be there. No one's saying, stop that. No one's saying, see here, right? Don't we all want to do that as kids? I'm telling you a Bible story, all right? So, so the father, the father looks at it, and, 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 the, and the little cub goes, hey, what's that dark place over there? And the father goes, oh, stay away from that. That's where the enemy is. Stay away from that dark spot. You know, there's an elephant graveyard thing, right? And so that, to me, that represents all the teachers of the old dead covenant. And he says, don't go there. Don't go, don't go there. Stay in the light, right? And so, of course, because he's told not to, he goes, right? He goes and confronts the enemy. And, and, and he doesn't have any power to defeat that enemy. He's a young little cub. So he tries to ride. And they're like, Pfft. the enemy started making fun of him, right? And then the father shows up, saves him, saves him. And on the way back, man, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. How many of you guys as Christians, we always, we do stupid stuff and we're like, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, man. It's like the walk of shame, right? That's old covenant stuff, man. And so, so the moment you fail, you got to realize right then and there who you are. You got to realize that God is no longer holding your sin against you. You got to realize that even though you fell, you're still righteous. Get up. Let's go. Keep moving. Amen. But to stay with the theme of this Bible story, I'm telling you. <laughs> there was another line involved, by the way. He had a scar on his face, man. And, and he was like evil. He represents Satan in this story, right? So, so he, uh, 
devises this little plan. Anyway, uh, this little young future king is down in the valley messing around. All of a sudden, a stampede is coming. Right? And the father hears about it. And the father goes. And the father ends up giving his life for the life of the young king. That sound familiar? I think I'm making this stuff up. It's what Jesus did for us. So, so, so the, the father ends up dying, man. And then all of a sudden, the future king becomes a commoner because he starts focusing on it being his fault. He starts, he starts condemning himself, feeling guilt and shame. So what do you do? He goes out and hangs out with pigs. Hangs out with the pigs. Bible says don't cast your pearls. Right? So he's hanging out with these pigs, man, and he becomes like them, wallowing in the mud. Right? But then, but then God sends this preacher in the form of a monkey. And this monkey comes and whacks him on the head. He's like, right? He's like, what are you doing? And the monkey goes, do it again. But then this time he moves. He goes, see, see, you learn from your past. You learn from your past. You move on. He goes, I wanted to move on, but my father left me. My father said he would never leave me nor forsake me. But he left me. He goes, I know your father. And the, and the, and the future king goes, you knew my father? He goes, correction, I know your father. He goes, you don't know my father. My father's dead. He goes, no, he's not. He's not. He's not dead. And he takes him and he shows him his reflection. And he sees his father in him. Now all of a sudden, he remembers, remember who he is. He remembers who he is. He sees the king in him. And then he gets up and he goes back to where he belongs, back to where he always was meant to be. And he defeated that other lion. Amen? I'm the monkey. I'm reminding you who you are. Look, this is what he says. He says, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the problem was they were already like God, but now they will be like God in this sense. They'll know good and evil. Only God can handle good and evil. We were never meant to handle good and evil because God knew what it would do to us if we had sin conscience. Amen. Get past the story. All right, let's focus. Next week, we're doing The Little Mermaid. <laughs> ah. Yeah, hey, that was good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what, what, should, what should they have said? When Satan came up and said, hey, you'll be like God, they should have said, Wait a minute. We already are like God. Back up. We, you cannot change who we are. G- God made us in his image. 
we already are like God. We don't need to know good and evil. God made us exactly the way he wanted us to be. What if we came to God and we didn't have a sin conscience anymore? That's why the veil was torn when he said it is finished. We don't have to have a sin conscience anymore. Amen? Hebrews 9, it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who, him, him is a, it's us, person, bringing the offering, cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Those old sacrifices under the law could never make you perfect according to your conscience. God never wanted us to have a conscience of sin. That's why he said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why do you think Satan tempted him with that tree? Why do you think Satan uses the law today to beat you over the head with it? When Christ is the end of the law. We got to remember who we are. We're not under the old covenant. Whenever you feel like you're not doing enough or whenever you feel like you're doing something wrong, immediately stop. Remember who you are and say, man, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Christ is the end of the law for those who believe. And I have received his grace, grace upon grace. And grace teaches me to deny ungodliness, not the law. And then you drop the mic and walk out. That's all you need to say. Amen. Amen. Drop down. Verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. One time. Once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption that's us when you sin you can't lose it you can't lose it you are you have eternal redemption there's no receipt that somebody can bring back man don't let satan put you in that courtroom like that you have an advocate standing beside you who will who will tell the father they are really close wouldn't you like for your lawyer and the, and the judge to be like tight yeah well i got news for you they are and Jesus has never lost a case. So when Satan brings you in there, in your mind, in your mind, this is happening spiritually. Say Satan attacks you, condemns you, makes you feel guilty and shame. He brings you into the courtroom and makes you appear to be in front of a judge that is hard on you, who doesn't appreciate you. And that's when you got to remember, you have an advocate. His name is Jesus. And he's going to tell that father, his father and your father. That you have been justified by his blood. Quickest court case ever. Anytime you get in your head like that. Anytime you feel guilt, shame, and condemnation. Fear and you want to hide from the Lord. You feel like you lost your covering. You feel like you're not beautiful in God's sight anymore. Immediately you need to say that. You need to say, wait a minute. I have an advocate. His name is Jesus. And I am justified by his blood. Make you want to do a jig right there, boy. And pull your pants up. <laughs> All right. Obtain uh, eternal uh, redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. Those things did it for a year. They did it for a year, right? Uh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God see when people feel guilty they feel like they got to serve I mean I spent a decade of my life feeling guilty and being at the church every time the doors were open trying to trying to make myself 
right with God again. Wasted 10 years of my life. God makes all that work out good. I did a lot of good things. I believe that God used me for a lot of good things. But I was doing it with the wrong heart. And it brought so much stress upon me. And I felt like I had to keep doing it more and more and more. Everything that was offered, I was like, and people are like, you got to learn to say no. I do need to learn to say no. But, man, when you're feeling guilty, you can't because you feel like you have to do it. I just didn't understand that it was already done for me. Right? Now I'm, I do. <laughs> Listen, I do more. Paul said I labor more than any of those guys. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Once you understand grace, you will actually do more, but it won't feel like you're doing more. That's why when people come to this church, man, and I know them, I'm like, and I, some of you can testify to this. I'm like, hey, just come and rest. Just sit here. Just sit here. Don't do anything but sit here and receive. Let the Lord minister to you. Let him build you back up. Build your faith back up in the church. And man, God will just, he'll, he'll just restore your faith. And you'll rise up and you'll keep moving forward. But man, here, I want you to see that the blood of Jesus is a much more thing, right? He cleansed our conscience from dead works to serve a living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, eternal inheritance. I want you to see this church, man, when you sin today, when you sin, you are oh, oh song of solomon 4 7 this is what god says okay this is what god says you are all fair my love and there is no spot in you we just read that right there's no spot in you but you know what people do they're like god wait a minute you don't know what i've done god's like really <laughs> but don't we say things like that like like if somebody comes up and says hey you're a godly man all of a sudden the does that being a blessing in your life come to you first or do all the stuff that you failed at come to your mind for first right like like i know you're saying this to me but if you really knew me you wouldn't be saying that because you're always sin conscious right and so god didn't want you to have that man when he says there's no spot in you you got to see yourself as god sees you god right now in christ god doesn't see spot on you he doesn't he says that in hebrews i will remember your sins no more he sees you as as the, he says as Jesus is, so are you right here on this earth. Not one day, right now. And the Bible says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Am means what? That's who we are right now. We got to know our standing. We got to know who we are. Not everybody else doesn't need to know who you are. You need to know who you are in your mind. So when that shame and that guilt come, you don't run in fear and hide. That's the only way Satan can get you to stop doing what God wants to do in your life is in your mind because he's defeated church. He is defeated. Man, Christ came and got us. He came and got his bride. I was telling Bob on the phone, man, I, listen, Solomon, when he was going off to get his bride, killed the lion on the way, right? Killed the lion on the way, defeated the lion. Went and got his bride, brought his bride back. And on his way back, there was honey where the lion was, in the lion, and he would take that honey, honey is blessing, the land flowing with milk and honey, and, and he took that, and he took the honey, and he took it back 
to his family and the family was blessed by it. You got to remember who you are. Satan's defeated. He is defeated. The only way he can get you is right here. That's why this message is important. You got to remember who you are. Even if you don't feel like it, because the reason we don't feel like because we're looking at our failures. But the moment you look at your Savior, that's where you understand, man, that even in your fail, failures, you're still saved. You still have eternal uh, salvation. Amen? Amen? Don't let Satan use it against you. When you sin, are you still righteous in God's sight? Yeah, yeah I hope you understand that now. Amen. Your sin does not disqualify you from Jesus. In fact, it qualifies you for Jesus. Woo! Romans 5.17, For if by the, the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You are reigning in life when you receive an abundance of God's favor and his free gift of righteousness. you got to understand that you are righteous apart from what you do. Your righteousness is a gift. Gift of righteousness. And the moment you guys wake up and you see that, you will reject condemnation. It's not for you. There is therefore now no condemnation for you. Right? So, so Jesus says this, but seek first the kingdom of God. People will be like, you got to seek God first. You got to seek God first. You got to seek God first. Yeah, but, but and, and, means it's tied to something, right? And his righteousness. Not your righteousness. His righteousness. God wants you to seek his righteousness, which we just saw is a gift. In other words, you seek that righteousness of gift, that gift from Jesus. You seek that. When you seek that, all these things shall not given to you, added to you. That means on top of what you already have. That's how good God is. So we seek his righteousness, not yours. Yours is like a filthy rag. Seek his. And when you understand that it's a gift, then everything will be added to you. Everything. You won't worry about what you eat. You won't worry about how to dress. You won't worry about your bills coming up. You won't worry about your past. You won't worry about anything because you are receiving his gift of righteousness. And when you say that word rain there, man, that we saw earlier, when, you, when, when it says rain, that is a, in, the, in the Greek, it's as a king, as a queen would reign. In other words, when you speak, stuff happens. This is it right here. All right, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. See, they're, they're, they still don't understand. They're trying to earn it. You can't earn it. It's a gift, right? If you can earn it, it's no longer a gift. It's a reward. Listen, it is a gift. A gift. Um, with, uh, for I bear them witness of zeal for God, knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. That sound familiar? The more you put under law, you're trying to establish your own righteousness. Uh, have, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. There's a lot of good people out there. A lot of good people out there that are preaching the law. But they're trying to be made right with God by their own righteousness. And, and God's like, man, they haven't submitted to his righteousness. They're doing it with zeal. That means they love God. I believe there's a lot of people that love God and, they're, and they have a heart for people, but they don't understand God's righteousness. It's a gift, freely given to the worst of us. I'm one of the worst of us. 
For Christ, ooh, man, Romans 10.4. Say 10.4. 10.4, good buddy. Listen, let me tell you something. This should be easy to remember. 10.4, 10.4, 10.4, 10.4. Right? 10.4. Romans 10.4, most important verse that you could ever tell somebody in the church that's saved, that's struggling with the law. Comes up to you and says, man, I just feel so bad when I go there. <laughs> hey, man, let me show you something good. For Christ is the end end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes do you believe church christ is the end of the law you're not made righteous by what you do anymore you are righteous by what he did for you just the last one for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him we are righteous right now. Why? Because Jesus became sin for me. He became sin. He knew no sin, did no sin, had no sin. But he became sin so that me, not being righteous, could have what he had, righteousness. Right now, if, if I was to die right now, which I won't, I won't. I know I won't because God's using me for his glory. I'm going to have long life here on this earth. I'm telling you this. I'm going, I'm going if I go to somebody, if I were to go today and he was standing in front of me and he's and, and I, he would say, hey, do you know who you are? I'm like, yep, I do. I'm the righteousness of you because of him. Amen. And they look at each other, and go, yeah, that guy got it right there. Boy, that's my boy right there. Yeah, come on in, man. Be like. You next. I'm here because I worked my butt off. I opened doors. I was an usher. I was a deacon. I was he's bye. I feel sorry God and Jesus talking I feel sorry for that cat right there boy I'm going straight to the table the banquet because I'm hungry flying around in my chariot of fire right there's no speed limit in heaven get on that chariot of fire boy you just take off go as fast as you want I just about dropped forgot my belt is that it this got to be it. Is this it? That's it. All right. I do not set aside the grace of God. Church, do not set aside the grace of God. Don't set it aside as some formal teaching. Don't set it aside as some, some simple teaching. Don't set aside the grace of God. For if the righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Did, did Christ die in vain? Of course not. You can't be righteous by what you do. You can only be righteous by a gift, and his name is Jesus. When he died on the cross, he made you righteous when you said with your mouth, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he's not dead anymore, that he's in heaven at the right hand of God. And Bible says when you do that, you will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame means there's no more condemnation for you. You can't lose that. There's no clause in there. There's no like lawyer fine print at the bottom. Unless you sin, then you can't. There's none of that. None of that. Just confess Jesus. Believe he's alive today. You will never be put to shame. Now here on this earth, religion will come against you. Never being put to shame means that you cannot lose your salvation. Amen. You can't be snatched out. You cannot lose it. You can, it doesn't matter what you do. It, when you get up there, you are saved. The door is open. You can't lose it. Now that doesn't make you want to sin as much as you want. That makes you very thankful for what he did for you. Amen. So don't let people say, hey, you can just go do what you want. No, that's not what it's saying. He's saying when you understand grace, when you don't set it aside, then, you understand, then you're truly free. 
You won't want to do those things anymore. And it's not because you're trying not to do them. It's because you just don't want to do it because you know what's been done for you. That's good news, church. Would you do me a favor and stand to your feet and give Jesus a praise like you would if he was standing right here because he's here. I'm telling you, he's here right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't leave here uh, if you have a couple of things going on in your life. If you need a prayer, if you need somebody to pray with you, man, that's why we're here, church. That's why we come together. I mean, the one compliment I get the most about this church is the love that you feel when you walk in. Like you don't feel judged about anything. You just feel truly loved. Right. So if you if you have any prayer requests, man, get with your family and let's pray together. All right. Don't don't hide from it because you're looking at your you're looking within. Let us remind you who you are. It'll change your mindset for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week. Find us. Let us do that. If you're looking for a church, this is who we are. This is what we believe, what we sing about, what we talk about. Uh, It's consistent. You'll never have inconsistency here. It'll always be the good news every single time. If if you want to be a part of this church, this is who we are. We just ask that you fill out this uh, communication pamphlet up here so we'll have a record of of your desire to be, want to be a part of us all right there's no 10-week class none of that don't do that all right and most importantly if you don't know who jesus is if you if you thought you knew who he was but maybe now you see who he really is that he truly loves people loves you uh, and has completely forgiven you um man i love the legion of prayer i just said it earlier that's all you got to do with your mouth confess jesus and believe in your heart that he's alive today that's it god made it simple said you will never be put to shame after that never if you haven't been baptized we haven't said this in a while but we got a baptism over there man if you, if you desire to be baptized we'd love to be uh to be able to do that just get with us we'll pick a date but uh i'm gonna what we normally do is we bring pastor Dwayne up here and he prays a blessing over you as you go out um i i've been to church all my life i never until i met him i never had anybody pray a blessing over me in my going out right how many of you guys want to get a sign on your on your door front that Bless coming in, and then you get one on this side saying "Bless going out." Amen. Right? That, that's who we are. And, yes. and and when you come here, we have that in the form of uh, Pastor Dwayne's prayer over you. And all you gotta do is, guys, is respond by faith by saying what? Amen. Amen. That means I agree with what he's saying. I'm gonna tell you what he's saying in scripture. Amen. And God has gifted him in that. So you just, however you feel led to do it, I'm gonna bring Pastor Dwayne up. Amen. Let's go before the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of benediction, Father. We thank you for uh, speaking your word out over us, speaking life over us, God, and, and uh, causing us to prosper in all things, Lord. We thank you for your desire for us, Lord. We thank you for your will and your purpose and plan for our lives, God. We thank you for going before us and making our path straight. We thank you, Father, for taking what the enemy meant for bad and turning it into good for your own glory, Father. We thank you for how you touch our lives, how you change and transform our lives, Father, every day. Father, as we continue to think on you and remember your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love in our lives. We thank you, Father, for uh, just your grace that is so sufficient, Father, for every uh, situation and every time uh, in our life, God. It doesn't matter what it is or what's coming against us, Father. We know that you are for us and you've given us victory. And so, Father, we just speak life 
uh, over each other today, Father. We thank you for the opportunity to come to this place, Father, to fellowship with one another and to also fellowship with you, God, and worship. And we thank you for your word, Father, that we heard this morning, Father, that you have put into our hearts and into our minds, Father, that we may meditate on that word, Father, and see it come to pass in our lives. We thank you for your precious promises that are in Christ. Yes, and amen, Father. And I speak that out, Father, over this body of believers, every person and every household represented, Father. We speak blessing, Father, over their lives. We speak life, God, in Jesus' name. We speak restoration, Father, and strength and hope and courage, Father, in all those areas of our lives, Father, we may, that we may still be uncertain, Father. We still may be even a little feel fearful, God, but we know that you have not given us that spirit of fear but of power and love and sound mind. So, Father, we go, we leave this place blessed, Father. Father, in, in a greater position, in a frame of mind in which we came in, Father, we thank you uh, for uh, just continuing to be faithful, Father, in a way that only you can in our lives. Father, thank you for the divine appointments, God, that you're going to give us when we leave this place, Father, so that we can take this good news that we have uh, been able to hear and to receive, Father, and bless other people's lives with it, Father. Thank you for giving us uh, uh, hearts that care for people, Father, and, 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 and uh, care enough to share, Father, the good news uh, and what you're doing in our lives. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray that the church say amen. amen.